We're going to begin with 4, 7, 8. Count your blessings. It says, When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings. Name them one by one. It will surprise you what the Lord has done. Let's stand, please, to sing. It is good singing tonight, and we are able to praise the Lord. It is never a bad thing to take time and count what God has done for you. Well, sometimes in the midst of the burdens of life, and as things can get us down, the devil does not like a Christian who is praising, giving thanks. 
He likes a Christian who is melancholy and cast down. Well, let us come to the Lord and realize in the midst of everything that God is in control of the good things and even the things that we may call not so good. Remember that the Lord is over all. Let's come, please, now in prayer. Father, as we have been singing this opening hymn tonight, it carries with it, Lord, the truth of the Word. We have been blessed with spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Outpoured upon us are blessings innumerable. And Lord, we have received much from the hand of our gracious God and Father. Lord, we pray that this night we will come with a true heart of thanksgiving. We will rejoice and give thanks with all our hearts. We ask, dear Father, to bless us abundantly and pour out Your Spirit on us so that we will be encouraged and also be able to encourage others, to encourage those whose hands hang down and perhaps have feeble knees. And Lord, that as we share these burdens and as we bear the burdens one of another, as You've called us to so fulfill the law of Christ. Help us, therefore, to be empathetic and sympathetic to those who are going through times of great difficulty. We think of those who are sick tonight and in hospital. Remember our sister Isabel, and we pray for Your hand of blessing upon her. Remember Mrs. Hamilton tonight. Lord, be with her and also our brother Stephen their entire family, and the congregation in Pennsylvania. Lord, they would not be discouraged, but rather looking to the Lord for every mercy and blessing. And we also ask the same for our brother John Bodner, for his wife Dorothy. Lord, in this time of John's need, that you would know, that he would know the comfort of the Holy Spirit upon him. Lord, pour out Your Spirit abundantly and comfort His heart. We pray for those that have lost loved ones recently, those that perhaps have been bereaved of a loved one, a partner of life. Maybe it was some time ago, but yet the pain is still very, very real. Lord, help them and be with them and take away that sting of departure. And, O God, may they know the comfort of the Lord upon them tonight. Remember, we ask all of our churches, we think of those that do not have pulpits, pastors for their pulpits at this time. And Lord, as they're going through this difficult season, supply their need, encourage them to pray on, and give them faith that their prayers will be answered and the works will continue on. To this end, we lift our thanks, our Ebenezer, for what has happened in the church in Orlando, the church in Cloverdale, as we look forward to this Friday and the ordination service. Lord, we give thanks and we pray for mighty and rich blessing upon the meetings. We think of the work in Fredericton. Encourage your people, lift them up, and we pray for Brother Diderno as he 
makes his way there in the later part of the summer and into the fall. And Father, as he sets forward to go with his family, that you would bless from the very opening meeting that they would be very conscious of the presence of the Lord and the power of God. And you would go in advance, advance in front of the coming of your servant. And there would be hearts already touched and moved. And Lord, you would begin and do a great work in that city of Fredericton. Remember, O oh God, the needs we have across our entire nation. We long for a mighty moving of the Spirit in revival of all your people that we together might lift our thanksgiving and our praises. Lord, we're asking again for a great awakening in our land that in wrath you remember mercy and that there would be an ingathering of precious souls before the Savior comes back again. Lord, hear us in our times. We need a moving of the Holy Spirit. And we would pray boldly tonight that this work would start in us. And make use of us, Lord. Help us to redouble our efforts at the throne of grace in prayer. And that we would see great and mighty things done. We ask, Lord, for blessing as we come to this summer activities. We think of the Congregational Youth Camp in Pennsylvania. Bless those who will attend the camp this year and move among the young people. We think of our own youth conference in August. We ask for Brother Simpson as he comes to bring the Word, and also Brother Schultz and the Schultz family when they come, that all of these seasons will be greatly blessed of our God, and there would be a work done for time and for eternity. So Lord, bless us this evening. Hear our prayers. Receive our thanks for the outreach that took place yesterday and for all the gospel tracts that were given out and all the Bibles, all the literature, the personal conversations and witnesses. Lord, bless each one. And we pray that souls will be saved and people, believers, will be encouraged. Bless us now as we continue in our praise and worship. In Jesus' holy name we ask. Amen. Let's sing again, please, number 620, and we will stand as we worship the Lord with this hymn.
Turn now in your Bibles for congregational reading to Philippians chapter 4. The book of Philippians chapter 4. Reading from verse 6 down to 20. Be full of care, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, Unto God, our Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord will bless His Word, His very familiar, well-trodden pathway of the Scripture, and how encouraging it always is to read and reread these great words. And I trust the Lord will bless them to us. You will see how they relate to the message I want to bring to you later on. Welcome you all to our evening 
service of worship and of praise to the Lord. And if you're here visiting either in person or online, you're very, very welcome. And we trust the Lord would bless your heart and encourage you and lift you up in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Father's Day today, and we welcome everyone who fits that category, either by that being a father, a grandfather, or even a great-grandfather. You are very welcome. We trust the Lord will encourage your heart. Remember the sick ones we've been praying for, for Mrs. Hamilton, our brother Bodner. Remember also, please, Mrs. Nichols in your prayer. She has not been doing well recently. And then our sister Isabel Glynn, who had a fall this past week and broke her hip and had to have surgery, and she's recuperating in the hospital now and waiting to get back on, well, almost back on the treadmill again. She's ready to get back home and get back to taking care of her dear husband, Ted. So do remember Isabel and Ted in your prayers. The Lord would bless them. It was good to see Richard Teo out at the service this morning again. Good to see Ron here tonight. And let's continue to hold up these dear people. And we remember continually our sister Serene, the funeral of her aunt yesterday. And we continue to give condolences to her and to her family. And to remember her dear uncle in prayer. Serene's father passed away when she was only five years of age. And so her family and her uncle, very close to her, and really became a father in many respects, helping her in so many aspects of her life. And so this is the uncle that is now in palliative care and uh, is really dying. Well, dying in one sense, but looking forward to glory. And so do remember the entire family and those needs. What a great blessing it was yesterday for the Highland Creek Outreach. And a word of thanks to Brother Kingsley Jew and Christine, his wife, for all the preparations that they did. Everyone who went there, a lot of gospel tracts were handed out. All of the literature from the children's books and the Bibles and the tracts and the magazines and the water, everything, including the potato chips, they all went. Everything was distributed and uh, they were in need of more things, but nonetheless it was good to have that opportunity, and many personal opportunities of witnessing as well. And so, do pray that the gospel would go out. Not all the words were received well, as always is the case when you're trying to evangelize and give out the gospel. Some people outrightly rejecting, some people arguing and saying they had no need for God. And Well, you know, in those circumstances, you pray that the Lord would open their hearts, and somehow even that witness would be positive for them in the Lord. Mentioned this morning and uh, let you know again that we have started a ministry fund, and that will apply to those going through the ministry now, as it does to Brother Simon. Remember him in prayer. He's in Port Hope preaching the Word tonight. But if you wanted to contribute something toward the ministerial needs for our brother as he begins his official training in September. You can mark that on your envelope with any extra tithes and offerings you want to direct that way. And that also applies to Brother Frank DiDerno, as he'll be heading to Fredericton. And if you wanted to mark on your envelope simply Fredericton or uh, Brother Frank DiDerno, 
we'll be sure that those funds are directed directly to the needs of the ministry for these brethren and for those works. After our service tonight, there will be a meeting of the volunteers for the Pregnancy Care Center, and Brother Alec Newell will be taking that meeting. It will be in the counseling room, and then we also are going to be having a meeting of the Young Adult uh, Conference Committee. That will be in the fellowship room. We'll meet sometime shortly after the service tonight to be in prayer for both of these ministries that the Lord would help us. And I mentioned the youth camp in my opening prayer. That will be taking place, I think it's the second week of July. We don't have any young people attending from our church this year, uh, but certainly we hope that will be the different in the case in the years following. But do you remember the youth camp at this time? Wednesday evening will be our Bible study and prayer time at 7.30, and this will be a Sunday school teacher's prayer time as well on Wednesday night. And don't forget, those who are on the Sunday school committee will be meeting after that on Wednesday evening for a short time. Then Thursday and Friday will be two graduation services for our school, for Whitfield. Thursday night, the grade 8s, and Friday night, the grade 12s. So please remember all of our graduates in our prayers. And I'll appreciate your prayers for I'll be departing for Cloverdale, Vancouver on Friday and for the ordination and installation service of Reverend Andrew Fitton. And please be in prayer for the traveling of the men who will be going and for the whole congregation. What a happy time this will be for them and a direct answer to prayer for that congregation. Don't forget, on July the 1st, we're going to be having our Canada Day barbecue. And if you wanted to be attending that and bringing a number of people from your family, there will be a sign-up sheet on the back next Lord's Day so you can write your name down there. Looking forward to a good evening of fellowship. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise. Number 500 and 26, and we'll remain seated while we sing.
let's stand for these final two verses. Last Wednesday night, I mentioned about our sister, Mrs. Santos Sr., who was heading back to Portugal, and it was rather um, a sudden desire to go back and to give help to her daughter there, and she was supposed to fly out on Thursday night. Well, there were some complications. She was dropped at the airport, and it was found out as she phoned Ed a bit later on that she did not get on that flight. And so she was very distressed and not very happy about that. Ed had to go back to the airport and pick her up and bring her back home. And so they had to make other arrangements for a flight. And uh, she is flying out tonight. And so that's why the Santos family not here. They had taken her to the airport. So do please remember, Mrs. Santos Sr., in your prayers that the Lord would bless them, her, and uh, she travels back overseas. Don't forget, please, the prayer cards for all our missionaries. They're at the table at the back. If you do not have any of those yet, please take them and remember the prayer requests for each of those mission stations. And also, another outreach or witnessing outreach card that we are planning to send around to our entire community of Malvern, 10,000 of these, be praying that as God directs them into the hands of the people who receive them in the homes, they'll be going to all the apartments and condominiums as well, which we've been not able to get into in the past. And so do pray that God would use this. There is a QR code on these cards. People can go directly to our website and they'll hear a gospel message. And so do please pray the Lord would use that for His glory. We're turning now, please, in our Bibles to Psalm 94. Psalm 94. <clears throat> 
O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself. Lift up thyself, thou judge of the earth. Render a reward to the proud. Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things? And all the workers of iniquity boast themselves. They break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Yet they say, The Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. Understand, ye brutish among the people, and ye fools, when we be wise. He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chasteneth the heathen, shall not he correct? He that teacheth man knowledge, shall not he know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. Blessed is the man whom thou chasteneth, O Lord, and teacheth him out of thy law. Thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity until the pit be digged for the wicked. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. But judgment shall return unto righteousness, and all the upright in heart shall follow it. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. When I said, My foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Shall the throne of iniquity have fellowship with thee? which frameth mischief by a law. They gather themselves together against the soul of the righteous and condemn the innocent blood. But the Lord is my defense, and my God is the rock of my refuge. And He shall bring upon them their own iniquity and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, as we have this Word open now tonight, I pray for the Holy Spirit's direction and the application of the Word of God to our hearts. I pray, dear Father, that every distraction would be taken away and that we would all know and be very conscious of the Savior beside us in the pew. That I will know 
the Lord Jesus beside me here in the pulpit. I will know the anointing of the power of God, the unction from heaven, Lord, that has been promised that we do not make up ourselves. Dear Father, come in answer to our prayers in the need of this hour, in the need of Your servant. Lord, tonight we pray for Mrs. Santos. We ask Your blessing upon her, Lord, as she boards the plane and travel overseas to her daughter. We pray that all things will go smoothly tonight. She will be comforted in her heart, and You would bless her with health, a measure of strength. You be with her daughter as well. Hear our prayers this night, and bless us, Lord, for we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I want you to think tonight with me about this subject, security for insecure times. Security for insecure times. I want to focus on verse 19. It says, In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. We're going to be looking at various verses within this psalm tonight in our study, and I pray that it will be a help to us. It will be marrow and strength to our bones, and that we will be encouraged in our own Christian walk to go on with God and not to be set aside or cast down. We all know about the security that we're all engaged in in this world. Why do we need locks and keys? Why do we need alarm systems? all because of the depravity of humanity. That's why in heaven there will be no need for any locks or keys or security systems. Those things will all be done away. But we have plenty of them now. And of course, as things get more advanced, you don't even need to have the old-fashioned key and lock you've got the systems on your phone. So you can open your app, you can open your car, you can lock your car, you can open your house, you can lock your house. You can even turn off your water system in your house by way of your app, and you can turn it back on again. There's all kinds of things that have come now to the forefront of security systems. And of course, on the very computer itself, and the whole network of passwords that are required to access your banking system, to access your PIN on your banking card, to unlock every kind of system you could think of, and I'm sure you've got a password sheet that may have now developed into three pages, four pages long, for all the different passwords and usernames you have to remember. Well, it seems that 
with every new security feature, there is a new scam to unlock that security feature. And the scam artists are very innovative. And if you think that your key fob on your car, locking your car is secure, think again. Because these guys can get close to your front door, and if you leave your key fob for your car close to the front door, they can match it by their, a computer system program they have, and they can unlock your car, and they can start your car and drive off with it while all while you're sleeping soundly and hoping and thinking everything is secure. So you have to be very, very careful and astute. And of course, all of the scams that are on the phone and they come on your computer system by way of email, they're all trying to somehow get your passcode, get your ID number, get something that will allow them to access your banking information and then draw from your system your savings. Security. Security systems. What about when we think of the believer, and the things that would trouble our security in these days in which we live. Because it seems that the more advanced that the technology becomes, the more innovative the devil is in ways he will try to undermine the security of God's people. But in one sense, his Attempts are very, very old because the, uh, the ploys of the devil to undermine and to unlock and to get into the Christian's life and security system, they are old as well, but they seem to be ever new with each passing generation. And we have to be aware of those things, brothers and sisters, and then pray that God will equip us to stand in these evil days and not to be overrun or undone by these things. So in verse 19, Psalm 94, the psalmist says, In the multitude of my thoughts. In the multitude of my thoughts. I want you to think about this in the first place tonight. The believer's diverse thoughts. The believer's diverse thoughts. And many of these thoughts that can lead us to the point of some insecurity. Some of these thoughts that come to us, they can unravel us. They can almost expose all of our security system to the watching eyes of those who would love to rend and tear and steal and destroy. The believer's diverse thoughts. And here are some of them. The first thought that I've listed is the apparent victory of the wicked. Look back in verse 3 of this psalm. The cry is going out, Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? 
It was very evident through the eyes, through the view, through the focal perspective of the one living in the day that the psalm was written, that the ungodly are living in great triumph and great victory. And to the believer, when that view comes into the context in the forefront, it can be very unsettling. The ungodly are prospering. The ungodly have their day and their moment of triumph. And it seems so unfair, it seems so unjust when these things take place in a world of injustice. In a world when we are encouraged to do what is right, to speak truth, to behave honestly, and yet it seems that many times those who are untruthful, dishonest, and wicked, they are having the upper hand. They are in the day of triumph. They prosper with not just wealth, but they prosper with unthinkable wealth and triumph. And it seems that anything that they put their hand to do, they are victorious in it. And these things can certainly cause distress. They can cause us difficulty in our day. And yet I say, the apparent victory of the wicked. For believer, when you and I are confronted with a thought like that, and the, the truth is this, that the thought is real because the evidence of it is real in this world's economy and in this world's government structures. You see, those who are kings or queens or despots ruling with great authority, ruling with an iron fist, and anyone who steps out of line, they are crushed, they are removed, they are annihilated. And the machinery of the ungodly, it moves with great victory and triumph. And when we observe that, we would get to the point sometimes of wondering, oh God, is there any hope for us? Is there any hope for this world? Is there any possibility of us seeing victory? And whenever we have our eyesight on the horizontal level, and if we forget to always lift our eyes heavenward to the vertical dimension and to realize that our God is sovereign and in control, and when the ungodly and these thoughts come into our minds of their triumph, we have to keep that in perspective. Having as a believer the right perspective is so important. Perspective is always true when you're looking through a lens of a camera. Maybe it's a, 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 an extended lens on the camera and the focus has to be turned. And when things are turned opposite, everything's blurry. But as soon as that focal point is met, then everything becomes sharp and clear. Well, we need to have our spiritual focus adjusted correctly so that we see things as they really are. But there is another 
thought that affects us as Christians. And we find it in verse 4. It is the boasting of the workers of iniquity. The cry has gone out, How long shall they utter and speak hard things? And all the workers of iniquity boast themselves. What is this boasting, my friend? This boasting has to do with a root and a heart of pride. And they, not only do they think proud thoughts, but they rejoice in the proud thoughts that they have. They relish their pride. They relish their boastings. And they will trample over every other position, thought, viewpoint that is out of sync according to their definition with what is correct and right and true. You don't have to take that too far by extending and seeing today what is happening in our city and our province. And the great boasting that are going forward of the great depravity and evil and wickedness of our day. There is great pride that is being demonstrated. Now God says that pride comes before a fall. But when that would be presented to someone to repent of their sin, they will look you straight in the face and they will laugh. Or they will demean the Bible. And they will say, we care nothing of God. Who is this God you're talking about? Who is the Lord that I should obey Him? I will not obey Him. I will reject Him. I will go in my own direction. I will fulfill my goal, my aim, my pleasure, my lust, my iniquity. And I will do so with abandonment to it. I will fulfill every lust that enters into my mind. And I will boast myself in the boasting of the workers of iniquity. And so what has gripped the heart of the psalmist, the man of God, is the, is the, is the feeling of how long, Lord, is this going to go on? It seems that the wicked are moving like such a great machinery that cannot be stopped. They are moving with great victory and triumph. They are moving with great boastfulness and pride. And friends, this is true around us in the world today. And we are seeing it unfold before our very eyes in our time. And yet when we see these things come to pass, lift up our eyes heavenward, for our redemption draws nigh. Our Lord Jesus Christ is coming back again because He has prophesied and told us that the mystery of lawlessness will work. And it must come before the man of sin is revealed and before Jesus Christ will come back to destroy the devil and all his works. With the sword, 
His Spirit that will come out of His mouth. Let us not become cast aside and cast down. Let us realize that we have security for insecure times. There is something else here, another thought that comes to the mind of the believer, and that is the violence of the ungodly. Verses 5 and 6. They break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Violence. Violence in every corner. Violence in every area of the globe. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And violence is on the increase in every core and sector of the globe. And the believing heart, the child of God, longs for peace. We long for the ability to live our life and to enjoy the fellowship of other believers. And what we want for ourselves, we want for our country, our province, our cities. We want there to be peaceful interaction, even with those who may think differently than we do, maybe of another faith, another religion. But we desire to live peaceably before all men. But the devil does not want any peace. The devil wants to overturn society because in overturning society, his attack is ultimately against God's people and against God's work. Don't ever forget that. Where there is apparent peace among the ungodly, the devil is only waiting and using that to stir up animosity and hatred and violence against the church of Christ, because that's Satan's purpose to destroy the people of God. And to that end, he wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy our witness. He wants to annihilate everything and everyone who has been blood-bought and spirit-born. In Genesis chapter 6, God came down among the sons of men and He observed and viewed that there was no righteousness in any heart, but there was only every thought, every imagination of every thought was only evil continually. And the testimony and the expression given was that their violence covered the entire earth. And so God came down and He said, I will destroy man whom I have created. And we know that God saved Noah, his family, as Noah was a righteous man, and the Lord spared him. Violence and the violence of the ungodly, it is only going to increase until the Lord comes back again. 
society does not know how to handle this. They do not know how to deal with it. And they also do not realize that the very teaching and structure of education and government and what they are putting forward is the cause, the root cause of the violence And when that violence comes and spills over into the streets with increased gun violence, increased stabbings, increased murders of all dimension and kinds, and that violence that is increasing, what do they do? We need more money to put at the institutions to try to help the problem. But it's like a vicious circle because they are feeding the fire with the oil that they are themselves producing. And it's only getting worse and worse. And we know that satanic power and influence is behind it all, for chaos is at the root of what the devil is trying to do. And believer, when we see these things around us, it can be most unsettling and most troubling, because ultimately that violence will come and is aimed against the church of Christ. A further thought that troubles the child of God is a sense of isolation. Verse 16. He said, Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? There is a cry there is a pathetic cry. There is a a burden that is being expressed here through this inspired writer. And he sees himself in a day of great increase of iniquity and evil, and he sees himself isolated. I'm alone. Who will stand up for me? He sees himself ready to be cut down, ready to be cast aside. And fear... Fear has gripped his heart. And he's wondering, what will be my end? How will I survive? And a mother wonders how her family will survive. What will happen to her little ones when those who are in power, in control, and the wicked, they have no mercy, they have no pity, they will destroy the fatherless. They will destroy the innocent. They will eliminate the widow and those who cannot defend themselves. And this is what we are seeing happening more so in our very city as violence is on the increase. And believers, you may feel it in your own heart, a sense of isolation and wondering what is God doing and why is He allowing this in my life. Who will rise up for me against the evil of the day? And friend, if that question has in some degree crossed your mind, if it has come into your heart, and I say to you, lift your eyes and your heart away from all the violence and the murder and the unrest 
and all of the confusion and chaos and disorder in our very city and all of the advanced iniquity and lift up our eyes to look full in the wonderful face of our Savior. Because it's only when we glimpse and cast our vision upon Him that we will know then who will stand up for me Christ will stand up for me. Who is my Savior and Deliverer? The King of kings is my Lord, and He is my Deliverer. What about the fear? The fear of falling. Verse 18. He said, When I said my foot slips, Thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. He was thinking about his foot slipping. He was in a very slippery place. He felt himself. And he was wondering, I'm going to fall. And who will hold me up? Who will be there to catch me? You think of the illustration even of our sister Isabel. Yes, she had a a very serious fall. And the fall that she went down caused her hip to be broken. You wonder sometimes, why, why would the Lord allow that to happen to His servant? Why does God allow bad things to happen to His people? Ah, dear friends, we cannot see the purpose that God ultimately has beyond this. But what God was doing in Isabel's life He is doing that for her good, for Ted's good, for her, for ultimately for God's glory. But there is a fear of falling. And the older that people get, the greater that fear is. And all friends, when we think about it spiritually, it can grip our hearts with a greater sense of fear that will we be able to make it to the end? Will we get to glory? And the devil would plant seeds in our hearts continually. You'll never make it. That sin will keep you out of glory. You'll never get there. Ah, but we've read in Philippians chapter 4, My God is able to supply all your need according to His riches in glory. We have a peace that passes all understanding. We have hope. Yes, my friend. Let's move on to the second major point tonight. It is this. The peace and the comfort of God in all the confusion. And this is where we come again to verse 19. For we've been thinking about the multitude of the thoughts within me. Ah, but look at what the conclusion is. Thy comforts delight my soul. Thy comforts delight my soul. Here, for the child of God, is the secure peace. Here is the certain comfort in all of the confusion buzzing on around us. I know that Thy comfort, O God, is that which delights my soul. Do you know how he could say this? Because God hears and sees all that's going on. 
Verse number 9. He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chasteneth the heathen, shall he not correct? He that teacheth man knowledge, shall he not know? Yes, though the ungodly are going, it seems, without restraint, and they say, God, whoever the God is, He cannot hear and He doesn't see. You see, the the unbeliever thinks that there is no God, or if the Christian God is one that's made of their imagination, he doesn't know what's going on anyway. But our God is a God that hears all and He sees all. And so the next time that we are wondering about the triumph of the ungodly and how that in the secret councils of men they are planning and they are deceiving and they are going about all of their deceptions, God hears every word that they are speaking. God knows every thought that they are thinking. Back in the Old, they, in the Old Testament time in the days of Elisha, you might remember Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, and he was going out to set his army against Israel. And God spoke to Elisha and said, tell the king of Israel, don't go there because Benadad's going to be waiting for you. And that happened once, and it happened a second time, and then Benadad is so frustrated, he comes to his old council and he says, which one of you is for Israel? Uh, who's, telling, who's telling these nation secrets? And one servant said, no one, king, but Elisha knows what you are speaking about in your bedchamber. And it's being revealed, and therefore he knows every move you're making. And so Benadad, in his foolishness, instead of repenting and humbling himself, he sent an army out to get Elisha. Thinks he'll take care of the problem area. The God that we worship and serve is one that is aware of every thought in every wicked heart, And He sees and knows all that's going on because He is our Sovereign Lord. There's another reason for the peace and the comfort of the child of God. And it's because of the vanity of men's thinking. Verse 11, The Lord knoweth the thoughts of men that they are vanity. The word vanity, it means they are emptiness. They are worthless. They add up to nothing. There's no profit in them. And the Lord God of heaven, the one who sees all and knows all, He knows that the thoughts of man are full of vanity and foolishness and emptiness. And the Lord that sits in the heavens, Psalm 2 tells us, that the Lord will laugh at the ungodly who think to raise devices against the God of heaven. How foolish. And yet to say that to the ungodly, they don't believe in the Lord anyway. They will not receive it. But friends, that does not matter for the Christian because we know and have confidence and have the peace and the comfort of the Lord in these days of confusion because man's thoughts will come to nothing. And God will turn the heart of the king in the direction that He wants to go. Do not think for a moment 
that what the Prime Minister of Canada is devising in his secret parlor among his cabinet, God will, in His purpose and time, expose it all. And God is working according to His plan. Let us be therefore encouraged and not discouraged. There's another reason that we are able to rest in the days of adversity. In verse 13, that thou mayest give Him rest from the days of adversity. The psalmist is kind of going back and forth. He is stating what the ungodly are doing, but he's coming back to rest upon the truth he knows is right. And he is resting here in the day of adversity. There is peace in his heart. And believer, you have the peace of God in your heart tonight that passes all understanding. And there's no need to be troubled. There's no need to be distressed. There is no need to worry. Because worry, when we do that, it gets us nowhere, but it causes more wrinkles and more stress in our life. And we need not worry as we are leaning on the everlasting arms of our God, as we are resting in Him, Fear not, he tells us. Fear not. We know that we are never forsaken by our God. Look at verse 14. It cannot be any clearer than this. For the Lord will not cast off His people neither will He forsake His inheritance. And who are the inheritance of God? You are, and I am. Those whom He has chosen by covenant and sovereign grace from before the foundations of the world, we have been given to Christ, and Christ has died for His people. And we today are saved by that sovereign grace. And God knows who we are. He knows every one of His people and we belong to Him. And tonight, friends, we know that once we've been brought into Christ, we will never be forsaken. We will never be cast off. And therefore, to stand tonight in the hope of Christ is to stand in victory because we are kept from falling. Oh, what a great truth this is. That's part of the great word we have in the book of Jude. It's a great conclusion. It's that word that is spoken to us as we close off our services at times when God is able to keep us from falling. And tonight, brothers and sisters, as we are held in the hand of a sovereign, omnipotent, all-powerful being, we will never be cast off in hell. God is our refuge. You wonder, can it get any better? Is there any more that we can add on to this? And yet there is more. God is said to be our refuge. Look at verse 22. But 
The Lord is my defense, and my God is the rock of my refuge. We love reading Psalm 46 because it starts off with that great text, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be cast into the midst of the sea, yet we know that we have a strong refuge of our God. Though everything in this earth and everything that we see around us dissolves and goes away, yet we stand upon the rock of our salvation. We stand in Christ who is our great refuge. Ah, believer tonight, let not your soul be cast down. If you have to say, as the psalmist did sometime, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Answer the question, My soul, you have no reason to be cast down, for you are secure in Christ. You're standing upon the rock of salvation. He is our refuge and our strength forever. We are secure. We are secure in a day of great insecurity. And therefore, we will stand there. And the last one is this. For God is our just judge. Verse 23, For He shall bring upon them their own iniquity, and shall cut them off in their own wickedness. Yea, the Lord our God shall cut them off. And then look at verse 1. O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, Show thyself. The psalmist is praying here upon his knowledge that God is sovereign over all. He is praying and knowing that the the Lord God to whom he worships is the one who will one day bring just, righteous judgment to an ungodly world. Let us not worry about how vengeance will come. Let us not worry about getting our pound of flesh from those whom we think have done us wrong. Let us leave all that, my dear friends, in the hands of our God to whom vengeance belongeth. It is God's just judgment that will be done. And quite frankly, it is not our business, what God will do. But we know this, He will do what is right, and He will give to the ungodly every wage that they justly deserve. We are told the wages of sin is death, and God will bring the correct wages for the ungodly. And therefore, friends, in our time, we need to pray that the Lord will bring to repentance those whom He has called to deliver from that day of judgment. We serve today a risen Savior, and we know that He is in the world today, and we know that because we are in Him, we are safe and secure, and we have no fear And so as we bring these thoughts tonight to a conclusion,
look at these things. We are able to go forward in joy and confidence. Be not cast aside. Do not be cast down. Let us go forward in the joy and confidence of our risen Redeemer and knowing that our God is in control and that we are able to rejoice and to live in the victory that has been won for us, the victory of Calvary, the victory of our resurrected Lord. Let us walk each day in the steps of victory and not in defeat. Believer, don't allow the devil to cast you down, but rather rejoice in him. And that we might each day anticipate our eternal home. To anticipate it, to look for it, to think upon it, to dwell upon the truth, to look with expectation toward the coming of Christ, to say to yourself, Maranatha, the Lord is coming. Then we will say, we will live in the light of our Savior's soon return. Each day, to live in the light of that is to live in the victory of it. To live in the light of the coming of Christ again is to live in the joy and peace of that coming. And believer, the more we are dwelling in that truth, the more that God will be glorified through our lives, and the more the light of His presence will be reflected from us, and others will come up to ask you, friend, what is your secret? Why are you joyful? Why do you have peace in your life? And as God opens that great gospel door, you'll be able to say, as Paul did, a great door and effectual is open unto me. And you go through it and you witness for your Lord and pray that He will give you the joy of pointing men and women to Christ. May God encourage your heart tonight as we have thought on this psalm. We want to sing in closing this hymn we have sung before, He Will Hold Us Fast. Let's stand, please, as we sing.
Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, we have great confidence that can be drawn from the truth of the Scripture that we have read tonight. And I pray that every phrase, every word, every syllable, that it would be impressed upon our souls, and that, Lord, we would mix the Word with faith so that we can grow thereby. Let not the devil have any victory in our life. Give us, we pray, the defenses of the Scripture against those temptations to discouragement and to fear and to insecurity. And Lord, that we might walk with our God, with our Lord Jesus, day by day, moment by moment. Dear Lord, I pray that if any in the church or listening to the meeting tonight are unsaved, that they would come to faith and trust in Him, whom to know is life everlasting. So, Lord, part us in Your fear and with Your rich blessing. And know, Lord, that the Holy Spirit is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of His glory with everlasting joy and peace. So, Lord, hear our prayer tonight, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.